Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my blog, where it's both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive in, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, the sort of theme that I've been thinking about is how to learn patience. You know, I think that's a big lesson I feel like I need to learn this year in order to find the success, not just in my art or business, but just life in general. And I say that because, you know, I have a lot of ambitions on a lot of fronts. And I work really hard in that way. And so it feels like, yeah, that, that I just want to, I just want to get there, right? Uh, and I'm sure it's a feeling that you and a lot of other people share, right? For sure. And so I've been thinking about how does one learn patience? Well, first, I think it starts with gratitude. <laughs> because when you're grateful for the things that you have and can identify them, it lessens the sting, right? Because patience is this longing, essentially, for what you don't yet have. But when you have gratitude, that's okay because you recognize what you do have, right? So that puts you in a much better mindset. And putting you in that mindset so you're not like chasing, 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 it makes the journey of getting there a lot more enjoyable. A lot easier said than done, I know. <laughs> but then the other side of it is also to identify, okay, what are the action steps that I can take and take them, you know, in the ways that I can. And once that's done, you know, where you're seemingly waiting for the next thing or, you know, a response or reply or whatever, where else can your focus go? That's not just on this anxiousness of, you know, trying to worry about what will they say, what's going to be the response or blah, 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 right? Because that's dead time. So it's just shifting your focus, right? In that way. And I've been utilizing it with all kinds of stuff in my life, both on the personal front as well as the artistic side. You know, um, on the artistic end, I've been revising and revising this damn outline for the first movie in this proposed trilogy that I want to make. And the frustrating thing is, this is all within my control, right? So that becomes sort of the insidious aspect of all of it, is when it is within your control. And in this sense, it's not like I'm slacking off or whatever, like, you know, hours are being put into this uh, 
to revise and revise and the outline. And yet with each time that, you know, I finish the outline, I feel like it's, it's there, it's closed, blah, blah, blah. And then I meet with my team and, you know, the goalpost seemingly moves, which of course it hasn't. It's just, uh, it's just the outline's not there yet, you know, and the only difference is, well, I think like if this is like a football field that I've gained like 15 yards, I've only really gained like two. So that becomes the frustrating aspect. So it's taking a lot longer to get to the end zone, so to speak. And so that's where I have to have just gratitude with myself for putting in that work, for everyone's willingness to continue to help me course correct, because that's what it, you know, it's, it's, it really is part of that process of course correcting and so forth, you know, and, and as ideas come up that enhance it, go towards them as ideas get conflated within that, take them away. And really, you know, with each revision, it's been about what is the core idea and how does anything that I add to this support it or contradict it and yada yada, right? Because it all has to be in service of that idea. And if it's not, then why is it there? So with Lord of the Rings, um, you know, because for me, I always like to study other people's processes um, to, to gain something. And so with Lord of the Rings, the movies, in particular, the first one, all of them really, but, uh, you know, as far as the first kind of stepping stone, it had to be about the first script. So it was like, there was so much to try to put in. But they realized it was all about Frodo and his journey to take the One Ring to Mordor. And anything that got in that way and didn't serve that could be cut, right? Because in particular for them, there's so much to the books that, that they need to compress and compress and, and, and focus in. So like, you know, Tom Bombadil, um, he's in the books and that's a great scene, but it didn't serve the movies in that way. There was already just so much other stuff that they needed to get to. So it became very easy for them as they talk about to lift those things. So for me, it's about going like, what, what is that focus? And for me, it's, you know, um, without revealing too much at the moment, it's about these two friends who were separated when they were teenagers and because of that have gone on two separate life paths and there's a whole lot of fantasy and you know sci-fi elements in between that um to kind of like a world ending type of scenario right so lots there you know what begins as one thing goes beyond imagination type of a thing and that's been fun but but it really is going to that core central idea of you know it's these two friends and one of them's grieved the loss of, of seeming, you know, she thought that she lost her friend forever. Turns out she didn't, except now the friend that she once knew is no longer who she, who she thought she was, right? And so it's grappling with that and, you know, so forth. So that's kind of the central core of the idea. 
And that's what makes it compelling. You know, all the other fantastical elements and the action that's put into it, it has weight because of that connection, right? So that's been my guiding light and I have to continue, you know, going back to that, going back to that and, and making that sort of my main focus. And when I do, you know, it elevates. And even when I think I'm, like I said, gained 15 yards, I only gained two. And so just having that patience to, um, to continue on. Now, ironically, sometimes having deadlines can be beneficial because, you know, sometimes it's good to put like stress on ourselves, you know, not, not negative stress, but there's also like positive stress, right? And so for me, you know, one, uh, one of the things I was thinking about, because it was always my intention to get a script done of this movie that I could then, you know, submit to script competitions because that's a good way to <clears throat> generate some interest for it, maybe getting some money and so forth, right? It's just part of the process to help a movie get made. Now, obviously, for me, I always have other alternatives um, because for me, the goal is to make this movie and not just like write a script and hope that it gets made. Like, no, this is, you know, every fiber in my being is to go and make this. And so a script competition is one of the avenues. Um, and I've missed various deadlines for ones that, you know, are, are great competitions. And I accept that. But there's one for the Austin Film Festival, and I love the Austin Film Festival, and that's May 25th. Now, as of right now, I'm far away. But having that sort of deadline of like, okay, you know what, I want to go for this, I think will help. Just put some pressure, and not, not, it's not to say that I haven't been putting in the time and so forth, but there is a shift that happens when you know, like, okay, you have to deliver. Now, do I have to have to deliver? And will, like, let's say, you know, May 25th comes up and I have a draft of the script, but it's garbage. Will I submit it? No, I won't. You know, I'll make that determination then because I have that luxury. However, I will utilize that as the catalyst to really drive me, right? So, yeah, I, lo I look forward to that um, aspect of it. Now, as part of all this, you know, research continues to be very, very important. Like, you would think when you're creating a fantasy world that's, like, completely your own, of course, the idea is you, you can make up stuff however you want. And yet... The irony is there's still so much research that goes into it because I don't want to just tap into all these cliches in my mind of, of other fantasy stuff that I've read and seen and just take that. I want to create my own. And so part of that is learning what already pre-exists and learning about, yeah, just so many different things, right? And, and I think people dismiss research in general for anything. Right, whether it's art, whether it's pr 
products that they're making, they just feel like, oh, well, I'm smart. I have an idea. I can go create it. And it's like the products, you know, that, that, that proverbial adage is like the tip of the iceberg, right? It's everything underneath it that people don't see. And research is part of that, that actually makes that you know, product worthwhile. So, yeah, just a nice sort of reiteration of, of that aspect. Something else that, uh, that kind of comes to mind. Um, so, um, a while ago on a podcast, I heard Samantha Boardman talk about this idea that... This idea of micro-stressors versus macro-stressors. And I I think this can help illuminate further light on the the patient's aspect of all of this. You know, how I started off. But Samantha essentially talks about that we're really great with macro-stressors in general in life. But we kind of suck with the micro-stressors. We get over-anxious, stress ourselves out, and so forth. And I I bring that up because not that I necessarily have like the catch-all solution and and certainly even just, you know, as Samantha talked about it, she she was more just highlighting it as a point of interest, right? And how it's a problem that we kind of need to solve for ourselves, you know, in exploration of therapy and, you know, however else, right? But that is the big sort of crux of of humans is that we deal with macro problems very well, but micro stressors, we don't. And, you know, when, when, when when I talk about patience, to me, that's where it stems from is because it really isn't just a micro stressor. We're trying to get to something, um, and, and, and we see it within our short-term vision rather than the long view of, of life itself, essentially, right? So in that same way, it might sound paradoxical that I'm talking about this May 25th deadline and wanting to, to do it and put the stress on myself when in the grand scheme of things of my, the entirety of my life, you know, my goal, as I said, is to make this movie. There's no doubt about that. Now, it might take me five years, it might take me 10 years, but my it is my fullest intention to go and make this movie. And so, think about it from that perspective, it's like, why, why bring on these micro stressors of like a May 25th deadline and so forth? Because I think ultimately we do need milestones, you know, and, and celebrations, especially for the long haul aspect of it. And as I, I haven't quite figured out, you know, that, that sort of proper balance. But I think, you know, in this sense, the May 25th deadline feels like a good, for lack of a better term, tool or motivation tactic versus something that's just going to have me pulling out my hair. And I think that's part of it 
is that identification of, you know, is this good for me or is it not, right? And I know I'm kind of essentially talking it out in real time, you know, I don't have a a solid answer formulated about it, but it, but it is an interesting thing, especially as right now, for me, it relates to patience, but you can take it any number of which ways. So, yeah, in fact, I welcome you to to the floor, so to speak, and, you know, by commenting down below or hitting me up on social media and sharing your sort of thoughts on that, you know, how you're processing that we do, we do terribly with micro-stressors, but actually pretty good with macro stressors. Um, and patience in general. Let me know how you process and view patience and have you learned it. Um, the other thing um, that I just want to kind of touch upon, that was great. So um, I had scheduled a uh, get-together with friends that I hadn't seen for a while, but that I respect both on a personal level and a professional level. Now, due to due to the LA rain, I'll, you know, a lot of people ended up canceling, rightfully so. But there was a few brave people that <laughs> ventured out, and you know, we had a good time. It was just great to yeah to to be around those people. Um, and of course, I want to do another one. And and you know, even the people that did cancel, they're like, please, I, I hope you like reschedule this. Well, I was like, well, I'm not gonna reschedule. But I will create a new one, right? Because we recognize the value in that. Like, it's just great to have sort of cheerleaders. You know, I think the term networking can take on this nefarious meaning oftentimes. But just in and of itself, there's just inherent goodness to being around same valued people, right? I don't want to say like-minded because, you know, we can take on different interests and and whatever, but like principally, I think we share the same values. And so in that way, we can recognize each other's greatness in ways that, as I said, on a, on a daily basis, we might not be aware of for ourselves. And, and sometimes we need that recalibration of, no, you're actually doing okay, <laughs> you know, um, and that you are by many other people's definitions quite successful. It just have you just are the one that, <laughs> you know, doesn't think so, right? Or whatever. So just that sort of perspective essentially is good. And, you know, they recognized it. I obviously recognize it, hence why I put it together. And we'll want to do more events like this. I mean, selfishly for me, I just love being around my friends, <laughs> right? And so it's, it's just great in that way. Anyway, thank you so much for taking time to tune in. Um, and that's kind of what I've been up to and contemplating. Um, if you appreciate what I do and think I might be of benefit to you, please um, check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash philsvitek. There's just one tier. It's $10 a month. gives you access to behind-the-scenes stuff that, um, that I'm making. But more importantly, it allows you to tap into um, direct interaction with me, right, where we do... You know, live sessions and so forth, and I can help coach you in that way and help navigate whatever obstacles that you're dealing with on a one-to-one -one level, essentially. Right? So, as opposed to kind of these episodes, which are great, but 
you know, um, they're, they're the foundation, but you know, to really get at the nitty gritty, um, that's what the Patreon page is for. So consider that if, uh, if you so choose to. Thank you so much. I truly do appreciate you, as I said. And I'll see you next time.